Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. The gift of God, such a word, powerful teaching. The party is still in progress. The party is in progress. Amen. For the believer, every day is a party. Every day, every single day. We rejoice, we're excited. People are asking us, what's wrong with you? said, everything is right with me. I am made right with the Lord. That's why I'm excited. That's why I rejoice every single day. The party is always in progress. There's so many powerful, insightful thoughts and instructions that were shared last week. Thank you so much, sir. God bless your heart. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So today, by God's grace, we go further in the teaching series. And I believe our hearts are ready. All right? I believe our hearts are ready to receive God's word. Okay? So, in life... Reward must match contribution. Every time you do not have a scenario where rewards are given for requisite contributions, what you will find there will be demotivation. Right? Demotivation. Rewards must match contribution. So the way you honor your parents should be different from the way you honor other elders. Because nobody has contributed into your life like your parents have. So you reward them, you honor them, consistent with their contribution, right? So if um, someone comes into this room right now, who I honor so much, say after service, we're all faffing, and then my mom or my father comes in to the, to the room, I will leave everything I'm doing and recognize her presence and engage her and pay attention to her because of the weight of her contribution in my life. Your ability to consider the word when you receive it is a reflection of the perception you have of the word. So if after two weeks you forget what you are taught, it's because it never really made an impression on your heart when you were taught, while you were being taught. And the kind of impression it will make in your heart is dependent on your perception of it. So, because of the contribution of the Word of God in our lives, God expects us to give it absolute reward, absolute attention. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because of the contribution of the Word, the power of the Word to change your life. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 that, you see, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. He says, for it is life to them that find it. It is health to all their flesh. Because of the contribution of the word of God in your life, the possibility of that contribution deserves some attention. How many of you know that guys consider girls? So you're going in the market and then you see you're seeing a lot of ladies walk around you. You're not really considering any one of them. But the moment you see someone that tickles your fancy that looks like what you like, your spec, you consider her, isn't it? Some guys go too far though. And begin to look beyond normal, right? And so two weeks or two, two hours later, if someone asks you, what does that lady look like? You should be able to tell. Some of our features, our complexion, perhaps our height. You should be able to give some description because you didn't just see her in the market like every other person. You considered her. When the word of God comes, it requires consideration. A lot of us don't consider the word. So while I'm teaching God's word, while I'm sharing God's word with you, what you ought to do is to consider the things that I'm saying. Don't just hear them. Because if you hear them without considering them, two hours later you would have forgotten what you heard. Because you see a lot of people in the market, you never considered any one of them. You're just focused. Even if you look at someone's face, you didn't consider it, so you just kept going on. You can't deny that you looked and saw them, but you really can't remember what they look like. That happens every day because we fail to consider so when the word of God comes to you, you ought to consider it. And how do you consider it? When the word of God is coming, try and be applying it as you are hearing it. Put yourself in context. Remember some situations and scenarios where you should have done better that you didn't. Or some things that you did that were consistent to the word and then pat yourself in the back and say, Oh, that's right. I applied this thing before and it worked. Interesting. So this thing is true. And they... If you're a student of the word, as I'm teaching, some verses of scripture begin to spring forth in your mind. And you begin to draw some sort of a graph. And how you link them, it just begins to form a web in your heart. Such that your notes does not look like my teaching. Even though you heard me teach, but your notes look a lot different because it has been contextualized to your own experience. So you considered it. You didn't just hear it. This way, if I ask you after service, what did you learn? You would just say, it was powerful, it was awesome. What did you learn? 
A lot of people cannot articulate what they learned because they really never considered it. They only heard it. This is powerful. One of the teachings that I will never forget in my life, for at least five years, I could regurgitate the entire teaching. Literally. I could say it verbatim. What happened that day? A man of God, a blessed memory, Pastor Benga Kuponi, one of the assistants to Pastor Koju, he was in Covenant um, Nation at the time. You know, he was the one that Pastor Koju would send for programs and events if he couldn't make it. So we invited him over to campus one of those days and he came and he preached such a powerful sermon. I, I can, it was so powerful. I still remember it till today, but you know, five years after that season, I really could remember it verbatim. He talked about faith. And I remember all these demonstrations and all these, you know, uh, gesticulations, how that the worlds were framed by the word of God. He kept using his fingers like this. I could remember it and I didn't take one note. I didn't take one single note while he was teaching. But as he was saying those things, my heart did burn. And so I really entered into the moment. I was listening with my life. I wasn't listening with only my ears. Such that five years down the line, I could still remember that word, word for word was much more than something that I was scribbling down. It was an impartation. And it was because of the way I received it. You could see that I was literally on the edge of my seat while I was teaching. It was as though I should enter into the word. Powerful teaching that day. And you see what happens is that we casualize sometimes the word of God. It comes and it's just oh well, another one will come next week. Right? Another one will come. It's Kukwe series. If I miss one, it won't be too bad. It's not like episode one. Like if you miss episode one, if you listen to episode two, if you watch episode two, you can get an idea of what happened in episode one. Pay attention. Consider the word. All right? That way you can apply it having listened to it. Because those that James described as those who forget the word are those who never considered it. They just leave forgetting what manner of man they were because they didn't consider it. That's why there would always be a gap between their experience and the possibilities of the word in their lives. Their experience is always looking like a shadow of what they ought to represent because they really never consider the word. Pay attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Bind them on the tablets of your heart. Let them not depart from your eyes. It is life to them that find it. It is health to all their flesh. Imagine anything that has such an impact, receiving such a little attention. Nah, you match reward with contribution. And one of the things you reward the word with is your attention. All right? You reward the word with your attention. This thing that is bringing this much value into my life deserves more from me. Attention, consideration, expectation, powerful stuff. Bible says, surely there is an end, but the expectation of the righteous man shall not be cut short. So that is to help you position your hearts to receive the word of God this morning. Are you ready for the word? Amen and amen. Praise God. Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6. Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6. I won't be surprised if we stretch this beyond a year. Because the word of God is inelastic, right? Or is, is, you can't exhaust its elasticity, I mean to say. So you can't overstretch it. It keeps stretching for as long as you need it to stretch. <laughs> So powerful. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus. That the sharing of your faith, that the communication of your faith may become effective. And remember the first time we talked about how that effectiveness requires visibility. If you're going to be effective and we cannot see effectiveness, that means we really cannot say you're effective. You may be powerful and ineffective all right, as a believer, because your power is not finding visibility, it's not being measurable. People cannot see it. We cannot feel your presence. You say you're powerful, you say your faith is powerful, you say you have the God kind of faith, but in your workplace, we cannot find your effectiveness. You see, the proof of power is effectiveness. How we can see how powerful you really are is by the effects your presence has in contexts, in situations and circumstances. So we see the power of God through the effectiveness of creation. Right? The invisible things of God are seen and visible by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that nobody is without excuse that God does not exist. God exists. And how do we know? By observing creation. So, if the invisible things of your life are not clearly seen, there is something wrong. 
The invisible things of your life are the power of God upon your life. The anointing of God. The grace of God. The mercy of God. The love of God. These are the invisible things that the unbelievers cannot see. But there is something they ought to see that should tell them that something invisible is residing inside this woman. Do you understand that? So as a believer, you ought to be effective. Your faith ought not just to be powerful because we really cannot deny the power of your faith. But what we can question is how effective it is based on the visibility. It's not visible. It's not effective. We can't measure it. We can't say, this is what used to be the case before you arrived. Now there is a 30% growth. There is a 50% growth. We can see your effectiveness since you arrived. We really can't measure it. Instead, some people actually become or make systems a lot more ineffective by their presence. So, the things that used to grow now begin to diminish. And if you ask them, they'll say, God... God will do it. They, they make esoteric statements that lack backup, that lack visibility, that lack effectiveness. They just say, think God is good. You know, God will sort me out. I don't need to apply. I don't need to apply myself. I don't need to train. I don't need to develop myself. You know, God will just sort me out. And it's, it's the language of the lazy. They are powerful, but they are in a potential state for life. Nothing kinetic about them. Nothing moving. Nothing changing stuff. See what you know, Victoriana shared with us this morning at Isaiah 61. Everything the anointing comes is to help you to do something. It's to do something, to preach, to bind up, to release. It's an action word. Nothing about being passive there. The anointing comes to make you visible. So that men will see your good works. They can see it optically in their, with their eyes. They can see your good works and then they will glorify your father which they cannot see. You see that? The invisible things of your life must begin to become visible. Amen. Amen. So, Bible says the sharing of our faith, the communication of our faith becomes effective when we begin to acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. One of those good things that is in us in Christ Jesus, I like it. It's called the blessing. Hallelujah. It's called the blessing. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. The Bible says... That Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. So that the blessing of Abraham can come unto the Gentiles. And that we can receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so the blessing of God is upon anyone who receives Jesus. Ooh. It's one of the things that you, cur you currently possess in your life. The blessing. The blessing. And you need to go and start reading what people who didn't even have the weight of covenant that you possess right now. What they did with a pseudo version of that blessing. And begin to understand the likelihood of your potential. Just to be able to see that, wow, if these guys at that level, who could not be made complete without me? If they could manifest and exploit and take full advantage, appropriate the blessing at this level. How much more me? I have no excuse. You see that? He says that you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. And one of those good things in you in Christ Jesus is the presence of the blessing. It's so powerful. You are blessed. Tell your neighbor you're blessed. This is not motivational speaking. This is the reality of your life. You are blessed. In fact, you are blessed beyond the curse. Oh dear. That is, there is no kind of curse that can be created that can disannul the quality and the power of the blessing you carry. You are not subject to a curse. You really cannot be cursed. You really cannot be cursed. Somebody really needs to hear that. You cannot be cursed. The curses that are powerful are the ones your mind agrees with. Oh dear. Once you refuse to agree with it, the curse loses its power. You can't, you can't be cursed. God, somebody really needs to hear that you cannot be cursed. You are blessed beyond. That is, if curse throws its link, you are beyond it. You are blessed beyond the curse. You can, curse cannot reach where you are blessed to. Hiya. You are blessed beyond. So they throw the string and the stone of curse and they are trying to catch you. They just realize that you are a few miles apart. You're just a few miles away. 
and they try and they just they, they well it up again, they try it again and they throw it again and they just reality just stops just before you because you are blessed beyond you're blessed beyond the curse ah, this is our confidence that we are blessed beyond the curse so when things don't work in our life we don't attribute it to a curse we are more enlightened than that you ask yourself, what have I been doing wrong under the covenant of the blessing? What is it that I'm not appropriating effectively that is causing this anomaly to occur? What is it that I'm not doing? You don't say somebody on the external is more powerful than my own in internal adjustment. Your internal adjustment is more powerful than any external, you know, attack. Remember Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17? Let's read that in. Is it message amplified that day that we read it? It blew a lot of people's minds. Let's read it again. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. Woo! 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 Hallelujah. What, where, where is that particular verse? Is it message? Yeah, let's go to message. Thank you. Woo! Praise God. Bible says, but no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. <laughs> no weapon. Where is that version that says, I created the blacksmith? Uh, so, I create the boundaries of their creativity. The ones that can create anything that can hurt you, I don't give him that permission. There is nothing that is created that is capable of hurting you. Nothing. I created the blacksmith. I give them the creativity they use in forging these, these weapons. But the ones that has your mumu button, it has not been created. The ones that can catch you. And that was when we, we came up with that quote that there is no kryptonite for your Superman, isn't it? Your Superman does not have any kryptonite that is available in the market. Praise God. Hallelujah. So you need to understand the power of the blessing. Because you really cannot lead effectively without understanding this this blessing we're talking about. Pastor Mike began to unearth some of these realities last week. And so we'll go there again. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Praise God. The Bible says from verse 28. And the Lord blessed them. And the Lord blessed them. Let's go back to KJV please. Amen. KJV is more gang girl. Amen. And the Lord God blessed them and said unto them. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. That's the only part we need in this verse of scripture. He says, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. I'm about to share with you this morning something that will liberate you and really, really, really bless your life. Oh dear, it's so powerful. So the title of my teaching this morning is Increasing at the Rate of Glory. Increasing at the rate of glory. Hiya. <laughs> Increasing at the rate of glory. There is such a thing called the rate of glory. And um, we're going to learn how to increase at the rate of glory this morning. So the Lord God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. And then subdue it. Remember we've been talking about the strategy of infiltration, proliferation, and then conversion. Which is a function of dominion. And so for you to dominate a sphere with the ideals of God and the will of God. And be a kingdom ambassador. You've got to have enough influence in that space to convert it. Isn't it? This is the model for dominion. The Lord blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful. But don't just be fruitful, multiply. And then having multiplied, do not stay there, replenish. Because if you do not learn to replenish, you will not subdue. You will not be able to have dominion. So a lot of people stop at being fruitful. And the best of us go ahead to multiply. But only a very few percentage of those who multiply eventually replenish. And so what I'm going to be teaching you this morning is about replenishing. What does it mean to replenish? 
Replenishing already gives a presupposition that something is diminishing. The world is at the state of constant diminishing returns. Things are always going to diminish. If you do not use that money you put in the bank, after a few months, it will have diminished. So it's not enough to be fruitful. Because you can be fruitful and it will still diminish. It's not enough to multiply because the diminishing can catch up with the rate of multiplication. But when you replenish, you see, it means you are able to resupply either at the rate of diminishing or at a rate faster than it. Hmm. This is the law of financial prosperity and wealth creation because it's not that we are all not millionaires. It just depends on how long it took you to get it. Some people spend $1 million in a period of 50 years. So at no time will they ever be rich. They are still millionaires. Somebody got it in one month. We all are millionaires. There's nobody that is broke. If we, if we factor in the number of years you need to spend looking for that money to eventually arrive at that money, you will still eventually, having lived 50 years, be a millionaire. So it's really about the rate of supply. The time factor to how increasing your increasing is. (laughs) So it says be fruitful. But if you wait at just being fruitful, the diminishing returns will catch up with your fruitfulness. And it won't be because you were not fruitful, it's because you were not replenishing at the rate of the diminishing. It's the reality of the cosmos. Everything is diminishing. Ah. And so the mandate the Lord gives to mankind is that you see, you have the blessing. And the blessing upon your life is to ensure that you do more than being fruitful. You do more than multiplying. You must learn to replenish. And if all you do is try to resupply at the same rate of diminishing, one disruption away from bankruptcy. And so it's not that the animals who are facing extinction are not producing. It's that they're not producing at the rate of encroachment. So when human urbanization and civilization continues to encroach into their habitats, they are not reproducing at the rate that can match that encroachment. So they are subject to extinction. Not because they no longer are being fruitful. They are still being fruitful, but for every one fruit, three is lost. So they really can't catch up. Let me give you this task. Write this down. There are two camps of soldiers. Whoever gets my teaser this morning gets a book from me. So I brought a book for Victory because she got my last teaser. And I brought one of my best books because when you give people, you ought to give your best. It's actually one of my best books. It's in my top three best books. Written by Max Lucado, one of my favorite authors as well. All right, so I brought a book for her. And that's because I said I was going to. So you too, if you get this. And so it's the fastest voice. (laughs) There are two camps of soldiers about to wage war against each other. One camp is 300, the other camp is 1,000. Amen. Some people don't even need to write. The algorithm is there. (laughs) So one camp is 300, the other camp is 1,000. For every five in the camp of 1,000 that is killed, only one in the camp of 300 is killed. For every five. For every five, only one is killed. For every five in the camp of 1,000, huh? only one is killed in the camp of 300. My question, who wins the battle and how many soldiers are left? Which of the camps wins the battle? I can't hear you. Let me hear that. Fantastic. Let's celebrate him. I'm sorry, Fedro. <laughs> I, I know Fedro really tried to beat the timer, but maybe because it was the loudest. So, and that's is the baritone of me. <laughs> so let's let's just allow him now. Eh? Praise God. Let's celebrate him once again. Three hundred soldiers in one camp. One thousand in another camp. 
The one with 1,000 may be thinking, ah, we have enough, we have enough, 1,000. But he does not understand that he is diminishing at a rate that this other one will still exceed and supersede at the end. Even though it's smaller in number. So, there are three kinds of replenishment that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob taught us in Scripture. And with this understanding, you will optimize your life. You will optimize the blessing that is upon you. Because one of the things we learn from Abraham about the blessing is that he learned how to increase the power of one. Because the guy with 300 increased the power of his one to such a degree that one was capable of taking out five. So the real numeric capacity of that is 300 man soldier is how many? 1,500. Even though the other guy thinks I have more people. But you see, the capacity of his one is bigger than my own. So how you can replenish is by increasing your capacity. You can replenish your life by increasing the capacity of what you are able to deliver. That is, in order to replace you, we have to employ five people to do your one work. You are that irreplaceable. This is why some people have become so replaceable in their workplaces and in their careers. They are not replenishing, even though they are fruitful. They went to school, they have a BSc. But you see, they are increasing at a rate that inflation and disruption is catching up with too quickly. Hi. So what they studied in school five years ago can no longer be relevant three years after. Because disruption is a, is a word you need to go and understand and in, investigate. One disruption can remove your entire career overnight. You are learning how to become an accountant and a robot comes and it replaces you so easily, you can't find relevance anymore. So are you upscaling at a rate that diminishing cannot catch up with? Because that is the only thing that will guarantee that you will continue to be fruitful and multiply and replenish until you subdue. Subduing is only meant for those who have mastered replenishing. You can't replenish. You can't subdue without replenishing. You can't. So we find Abraham. He left his father's house in Genesis 12 with only Lot, his wife, and a few people we do not know their number. He left with some of his servants. We do not know their number. But by the time he needed to go out to fight those five kings who are taking Lot captive and all of that, we see that there were 318 soldiers or servants burning his household. Powerful. They were not employed, trained. They were born in his household. So what made the difference in their lives was Abraham. Abraham was able to increase the power of one. He made one so powerful that 318 men disarmed, finished a conglomerate army. An army of five nations, 318 soldiers, born in the house of Abraham, but they didn't stay the way they were born. So you may be born with gifts and talents and abilities, if you do not improve the power of that one, you see there is something that will come against that one that will diminish it so fast, you won't be able to catch up with it. And so your ability to improve the power of your one is what will guarantee your ability to replenish and effectively subdue. Because he subdued five nations, the nations he went to help had to come and meet him. Just take something. Don't make us feel this indebted to you. He was a nation deliverer. Only from his household. His household. He did his household. Bible said he divided himself against them. How do you divide yourself against nations? Capacity. He improved the capacity of the 318 to such a degree that the people underrated him. It's good to be underrated. Because they, do, they don't know what it is. Because capacity, you can't see capacity. Capacity is seen at the place of performance. So it's easy to underrate a person that is building capacity, but nobody knows it's building capacity. So when they see you, when Goliath sees you, he says, who is this dog that you have brought to me? But he does not understand that David has what? Capacity. He had been diminishing bears and lions. And he saw Goliath, you will be one of them. Goliath who felt number is all that matters. Stature, height, spears, and all those things are all that matters. David came underrated. And the possibility for defeat was even higher for Goliath. 
for underrating David. Because it didn't look like it. It's okay not to look like it, but be it. It's okay not to look like it, but be it. Have the stuff. Be able to deliver the level of the performance expectation. Be able to deliver at that level. Abraham could have said, I'm blessed of God. God has blessed me. I don't have to train. I don't have to train soldiers. I don't have to train servants. There was no war. Why was he training? What was pressurizing him? A chance of war was enough. Listen, there are some things you are deliberately training on today. There is no need yet, but a chance of disruption is what is making you train. Just the possibility that, ah, there may come a time that this skill set will be required. You are reading on um, uh, World Economic Forum. You are reading on the kinds of skills that will be available and be relevant in the next 5-10 years. And you are already scaling up. You are scaling up your skill set. Perhaps there was no guarantee that there was going to be war. The only reason why Abraham would wake up every day and train his soldiers and his servants was because of the chance of war. Perhaps there will be war. Perhaps something would happen. I don't want to have to start training when it happens. I want to be ready for war. So what are you doing right now? Some of you can even see the need. That it's a, there's a need in front of me. This one is not chance. It's there. But you are still not putting enough pressure on yourself to live up to the expectation. You only want easy routes. The blessing doesn't work that way. You've got to learn to replenish. And one way you replenish is by what? Increasing the power of one. That one gift you have, be the best at it. That one thing you can do, be so good, they call you a guru. That's what we're talking about here. Increasing and improving the power of one. There is such a thing called vertical farming now. Do you know that? So, even in real estate, it's, it's a thing. So, if I don't have money for a lot of land horizontally, the one land I have, I'm going to increase it vertically. And put the same premium on it as if I'm building horizontally. It's the same 30 square meters. But I'm putting so much value on that 30 square meters. That I can sell it at a rate that is the thing I've placed on it. I can sell it at a rate that is times 1 million of the value of that land. Whereas you are given an excuse that there is no money to buy enough horizontal properties. This, oh dear. This is the error of some religious societies who think... The way to dominate is by biological proliferation. See biological proliferation as horizontal building. See the power of the gospel as vertical farming. So the limitation of horizontal building and biological proliferation is that it has a generational gap, gap limitation. There is only so many children you can give birth to in your lifetime, even if you give birth every year of your life. And there is only so many wives you can marry, even if you marry 700 of them and 300 concubines. But in one day of preaching the gospel, 5,000 can get saved. In another one day, 3,000. 8,000 in two weeks. You can't try it in 30 generations. The power of the gospel. It's, it's scalability. The ability of the word of God to be scaled at the global level. In 30 years, the disciples of Jesus had converted the whole, the known world. At least the known world at the time knew that Jesus walked the earth. They had heard the gospel at least once. Without Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or any of those things. The power of the gospel. 30 years is one generation. So the 30 years that another guy is trying to marry enough wives to give birth to enough children, indoctrinate them for 30 years before they can begin to, you know, infiltrate systems and propagate and all of that. One gospel, one Philip enters Samaria and in one day, Samaria gives his heart to Jesus. And Bible says, joy filled the city. One man entered with the power of the gospel. Are you that scalable, sir? Do you have that much potential and capacity? That's the real question. Are you replenishing at a rate that beats the rate of diminishing? Or you are waiting for diminishing to catch up with you and say, I'm being fruitful at least. Fruitfulness is not enough. Multiplication is not even enough. You've got to learn to replenish. If you do not learn to replenish, you really cannot subdue. 
And if you do not subdue, you really cannot convert. Because you need dominion to convert the souls of men. You need to have influence before you can begin to convert and dominate systems and organizations and institutions. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. So Abraham taught us how to improve the power of one through training and development, capacity building. Isaac also taught us something. Oh, I like Isaac. What I liked the most about Isaac was his resilience. Isaac was the most resilient of those children. Isaac, Bible says, he sowed in the land. Everybody was leaving Egypt. Bible says God told Isaac, stay there. Sow in that land. He was willing to be odd. He was bold enough to be different. And so he sowed in that land. Genesis 26, 12. And Bible says, and that same year, he received a hundredfold increase. And Bible says, and the Lord blessed him. But that's not even the big part. The big part is the next verse. Bible says, and Isaac waxed great. And he was not satisfied with waxing great. Bible says, he went forward. He was not satisfied with being mediocre. He was not satisfied with just being the richest man in his community. He wanted to help nations. And at that level, he had to have a kind of GDP. The GDP of Isaac's household was bigger than that of Abimelech and his nation. Abimelech looked at him and said, you have become mightier than us. One household. Because Isaac kept moving forward. He never got tired of moving forward. He never got tired of conquering territories. He had an uncanny counterpart in Luke chapter 12. A guy who his, his ground brought forth a lot of fruit and he had a lot of stuff and stuff. And so, you know, his barn was full and he had more goods than barn space. So he said, I'm going to tear down this barn and create a bigger one so that I can store all my produce. And then when I'm done storing it, I will sit down and take ease. And just take it easy. Take it easy. The reason why I thought of that was because he was the only factor of consideration. The only person he considered to use the resources was himself and his family. And he had already projected that, see, in 50, 70 years, we can't finish this thing. So what's the point working? Listen, you ought not to be working for your survival. That's the lowest form. The lowest form of work. You are working just for your daily bread. That's not the idea. You work for generations unborn so that your good man will leave inheritance for your children's children. And you don't just work for your children's children. You work for the nations of the earth because the mandate upon Abraham is that the families of the earth will be blessed because of him. So Isaac understood that to a new level. So even when he was rich enough to cater for his own survival, he was not going to stop moving forward. Because the end of the earth is the target. You don't stop. So Isaac taught us how to increase the number of one. Not just the power of one. How to increase the volume of one. He kept moving forward. He kept sowing. He kept digging wells. They will fill it up. He will go again. He will dig it up. He will, he will, they will fill it up. He will go again and dig up. When he found a place called Rehoboth. What did he say? He says, now we will be fruitful in the land. Ah! I thought you were already the greatest in your community. This was after Abimelech told him that he was mightier than a nation. The Bible says he still went forward. He still did wells. Even after that, he still dug again. The resilience of Isaac. The resilience of Isaac. Through determination and sheer passion, he just kept moving forward. Not for his own sake, but for the sake of the mandate he carried. There is a mandate upon your life. If you stop at your own self-survival, you would have failed. Even the men who look at you and say you are rich, you have failed. Because God looks at you and says, the ends of the earth, you are sitting in Jerusalem. So Isaac taught us how to increase what? The number of one. Sheer passion, determination, resilience. That was what Paul had. How was he able to evangelize those strange regions? Sheer passion. He couldn't be stopped. You kill him, he rises up again and continues preaching. That was the nature of the mandate he carried. He was going to get to the palaces and speak to Agrippa and Festuses and the Caesars of this world. He couldn't stop just because you stopped him in one little town. 
it will rise again and it will go again. So, are, are you stoppable? Are you stoppable? Do you accept defeat? They've, at least they've, they've, they've blocked the wells. Is it not obvious that they have blocked? What do you want me to do again? Isaac understood that the, the blessing is not in the place. The blessing is on him. Wherever he goes, he carries the water with him. They, they, they stopped it because they saw water. They thought they stopped the water. The water is still in the man. So everywhere he went, he dug, he found water. Even though that place was hitherto before he came, unavailable for water. But Isaac brought the blessing. He increased so much, he waxed great until the Bible says he became very great. And that's the mandate of the blessing. That's the man that received the blessing from Abraham. Are you still with me this morning? So do you just get satisfied with being mediocre and just being simple and just being there? Or you are increasing? And the reason why you need to increase is not because of you. It's because nations will come, ask for a loan, and you will not have it. And you won't be able to fulfill the scripture that says you will lend to nations. So because of the possibility of being able to lend to nations, you keep going. You keep driving yourself. You are resilient. You're determined. Not because of any glory that you will fetch for yourself, but because of the subduing you must do for the kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. So are you able to increase at the rate of glory? <laughs> That's the real question. That's the challenge with the devil. The devil thinks... All we can do is be fruitful and multiply. And then he comes and attacks us and takes what we have. Not knowing that we actually have the power of replenishing. And the more he tries to attack us, the more we replenish. Bible talks about the children of Israel. They had such a mandate upon their lives that the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied. They couldn't be stopped. It's the mandate upon their lives. But the challenge with the children of Israel was having seen Jacob or Joseph, they didn't reproduce more Josephs. They were increasing in numbers without increasing in capacity. So it's not enough to increase in number. You must increase the capacity of that one number you are increasing. Ha! You become scary. That's what makes cancer dangerous. It's not because new cells are not being produced by your body every day. It's because the cancer cell is replicating at the rate that your own normal cells cannot match. Until they enter the entire system. Hi. You see that anything that does not replenish will die. It will die eventually. So listen, replenishment is a survival tactic. It's not just for, uh, it's not just, okay, let me be fruitful. If, if you are not replenishing, something is going to attack that multiplication and that fruitfulness that will threaten your own life. So you've got to stay replenished. Your resupply must be faster in rates than the rate of diminishing. Because if you don't replenish, you risk extinction. You see why Christians cannot afford to be lethargic and you know, apathetic about the gospel? You see why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because it's the power of God unto salvation to all them that believe. First to the Jews and then to the Greek. For inside the gospel is the of God released and revealed from faith to faith what is written, the just shall live by faith. So the blessing of God is upon your life. Tell your neighbor, the blessing of God is upon my life. Shout it at your neighbor. I'm blessed! Ah! There are some things you need to shout for them to sink. You understand? You shout Come here. This is where the network is. Amen. Ah. <laughs> Praise God. So as I'm going like this, I should just always remember to. I'm blessed. So the devil is throwing stones at you. Thinking that because it is affecting you and diminishing you, that's all he needs to do. He does not understand that you have the power of replenishment. He doesn't understand. He doesn't understand that the secret weapon is actually to die. 
John chapter 12 verse 24. Except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies. It abides alone. But if it just can die. And I wouldn't mind devil if you assist me in that death. So that I can come back multiplied. Replenished. Subduing the earth. The power of the blessing cannot be stopped. It's so powerful. Balaam tried. Balak tried. They couldn't curse. Even without the knowledge of the children of Israel. You can't be cursed even if you do not know who is trying to curse you. You know some people try to investigate who may be cursing them. You don't need to know who may. It doesn't matter. They tried several mountains. They couldn't get them. Couldn't get them. You are so blessed. They afflicted the children of Israel. Continued to afflict them. They realized that as they were afflicted, they were multiplying even more because they are blessed. That's what the blessing does. Are you able to increase at an increasing rate? That is actually what it means to abound. So when you see the word abound, that's the meaning. To increase at an increasing rate. To increase at a rate that diminishing cannot catch up with. That's what it means to abound. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you have in all sufficiency, in all things, you abound unto every good work. Absolute terms. And, and there, is, there is something Jacob teaches us as well. He teaches us how to both increase the power of one and the number of one, but through strategy and revelation. For 20 years he had, he had been... Under the bondage of Laban's mischief and manipulation. 20 years. Someone using you, not paying you. Using you and knowing that it's because of you that he's blessed. Ah, people are wicked. Tell your neighbor, people are wicked. Oh. Are you low? <laughs> Laban! You know this. I mean, Potiphar was even wiser. And he was kinder. He knew that because of Joseph, God was blessing him. And he was, he was rewarding Joseph to match his contribution. Remember what I said earlier on? And so, but Laban, he knew that this guy Jacob is the reason for prosperity. And you, really, you kept him impoverished. He didn't have one property after 20 years. Apart from two wives. And Bukata. 20 years. Listen, some of you need to negotiate exits. Some of you need to negotiate exits. 20 years. 20 years of your life. Genesis. Let's go there. Genesis. Ephradista. Can you pray underneath your breath right now? Elobrahasto galida hayashundis. Rekete, rekatabohoa, rekotazila vaka, rekosila ha, ikaprosila vekedo, katabaha, ligobuto, retede, bokabasiotaha, extigala tegru gudegiza, lepebrugudu, kataba. Genesis chapter 31 from verse 36. And Jacob was wrought and chowed with Laban. For the first time, he looked at Laban's face and confronted him. He says, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, what is my trespass? What is my sin that thou art so hotly pursued after me? Whereas thou hast searched all my stuff, what hast thou found of all my household stuff? Set it here before my brethren and my brethren, that they may judge between us. These twenty years have I been with thee. Thy ewes and thy she-goats have not cast their young, not once. He says, and the rams of thy flock have I not even eaten for my own benefit. That which was torn of beast, I brought not unto thee. I replaced it with my money. Kai. I bear the loss of it. Of my hand did thou require it. Whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Whether I was responsible for the loss or not, I paid for it. Ah, thus I was in the day. The drought consumed me for 20 years. And the frost by night and the, my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus have I been with you 20 years in thy house. I served thee 14 years for thy two daughters that you helped me to... Oh dear. After manipulating me. And six years for thy cattle. And thou hast changed my wages 10 times. What well, we don't know whether I was changing it to reduce it. Because you can be increasing someone's salary but not at the rate of inflation. You would understand that later. 
Because if, if, if they're increasing your salary and inflation is catching up with that increase, your salary has not been increased, that's been reduced. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ten times, Laban, he would check the inflation rate. He would increase the salary, but not to match the inflation rate. I said, at least I'm increasing your salary. He was increasing the number of the salary, not the capacity of the salary. You see what I'm saying? Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me. Surely thou would have sent me now empty after 20 years of my life, serving you, slaving for you. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands, and he rebuked you yesternight. You know, we don't see the whole story here. Because he had, he, had, he had taken everything that Laban had by strategy and revelation. God made it happen. It was not like he schemed. God gave it to him. So his wives, he now began to educate them that this is what happened. Right? Hallelujah. Where is it? Where is that part where he began to talk about how he lifted up his eyes and he began to see Oh dear. Please, someone find it for me. Where he was explaining to his, to his wives. Good. He was explaining to his wives. Verse 7, 31, chapter 31. The Bible says, And your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. If he said, if he said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages, then the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, the ring struck, blah, blah, blah. And then he began to talk about verse 10. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived, that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream. It was actually an open vision, because you can't open your eyes and dream. Alright, but that was how I could explain it. He saw in an open vision, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring streaked, speckled, and grizzled. And the angel of the Lord spake unto me in a dream, say, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up now thine eyes and see. All the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring streaked, speckled, and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban has done unto you. If you are here, there is an anointing upon this scripture right now. If you are here and you've been marginalized, it is not in the plan of God for your life. You have been marginalized by a very cruel employer of labor, a cruel boss, and he thinks he can get away with it. We actually have a testimony in the house to reflect this power and this mandate that I'm talking about. Recently, I looked at him and I said, how much have you been paid? And the guy told me an amount that I was so embarrassed by. With all you do in this organization, you travel every now and then and they pay you this peanut. I said, begin to negotiate your exit. He went to his boss and he told him, sir, I need to leave. And the boss said, you, ah, you can't leave, sir. You Sorry, you cannot leave. He said, how much do you want? They were so sure that another company had gotten his services. But no other company went for his services. He, was just, he just wanted to focus on his own personal project. And the guy said, no, I'm leaving. He said, nobody applied. They couldn't believe. He said, how much do you want? The same guy you have been paying peanuts for three years. You are now saying, how much does he want? He said, no, I don't want anything. I just want to leave. They said, please. They sent the CFO to call him again that night. Please give the boss a response. By 9 p.m., he will call you. If you don't give him a response, we don't know what may happen. Guess what? The boss promised to increase the salary of all his subordinates. See the ripple effect of understanding your dignity and what you deserve. They know. And I told him, I said, do not give a response in a hurry. As though the money is what is pushing you. And you still show desperation at the end of the day. Give him one week at least. Let him wait for it. The more you wait for a response, the more premium you place on that decision. They tell him next week, this is what he wants. And they are even willing to negotiate flexible working hours. So he has the time to do what he wants to do as a personal project and he will still be earning to fund it. Because whenever you are being marginalized, God is the one that they are poking. He's called the Lord of Sabaoth. The Lord of Sabaoth. Listen guys. By revelation and strategy, God delivered unto Jacob 20 years worth of wages in one day. That can happen. It will compress time for your sake. And I speak by the Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. If you are here under the sound of my voice and you have been marginalized wherever you are, you carry the blessing. You cannot be marginalized for free. The moment the strategy drops, 20 years of wages will come into your life. I declare and declare that is your portion in the name of Jesus. 
There are things you work for. And guess what? You enter into this kind, this dimension by genuine service. That's how Jacob entered. He didn't scheme for those 20 years. We call him the schemer. He didn't scheme, sir. He didn't scheme for those 20 years. He was there faithful. Even when his boss lost, he, he didn't report it as a loss. He replaced it with his money. He was so, so faithful. And he was being rewarded every time with unfaithfulness, with manipulation for 20 years. When God saw his affliction and the cup of Laban became full, oh dear, 20 years of wages came into his life overnight. Guys, it's possible. But the secret is faithful service. You can't be scheming and uh, enter into this allocation. You can't. You've got to be faithful. They are asking for your service. You come, you do much more than is required of you. You keep giving, you keep giving, you keep giving. Not that after one month, they're saying they're not paying you well. Deliver enough value that should convince them that they should pay you more. If they refuse to, that is when you just started being marginalized. So don't say, oh, ah, I want 500K, but you're, you are not delivering 50K. You are the one stealing from the organization. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So this is not for everybody. So they are not paying me well. How much are they paying you? 400K. What do you want? One million. What are you delivering? 5K. But you, oh, Lenier. So you are actually a dead wood they need to remove. But that's not the portion of any of us here in service. We are value adders. We are multipliers. We are replenishers. That is the kind of anointing we carry. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's rise to our feet this morning. Let's rise to our feet this morning. Rise to your feet this morning. So you are going to listen to this teaching again. And understand that God wants to help you increase the power of one. He also wants you to be able to increase the number of one. And then he's going to do it by training and development, by resilience, determination, and then by revelation and strategy. He will just give you an idea and put it on a scalable platform. And the things that others are looking for for 10 years, you will find it in one month. Because you carry something called the blessing. The blessing. Can you rejoice here today? Can you rejoice? That's the atmosphere of increase. 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 That's the atmosphere of harvest. 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 You increase with joy. You increase with joy. You increase with joy. We're in a prophetic moment right now. We increase with joy. We increase with joy. We draw with joy. We draw with joy. We draw with joy. Father, we give you praise and glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Because if we don't increase at the rate of replenishing, at the rate of glory, we will still be diminishing. And if we diminish, we will not be able to subdue. And if we're not able to subdue, we cannot convert anything. We can't give glory to God. We can't, we can't propagate the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. We can't propagate our value system. We can't increase the number of us in the marketplace because we are not replenishing. Lord, we thank you because we receive the anointing to replenish today. And it will become visible within the next seven days that, that the Lord himself has interacted with our hearts and has enlightened our minds and has given us strategies and strange revelations that will compel the resources of the Gentiles our way in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise and glory. Can you rejoice one more time today? Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Rejoice one more time. Glory! Hallelujah! Glory! Praise God. Hallelujah. Choristers, please wait for me after service. I would like to see you briefly. Something huge is coming your way.
Amen. I love you. Enjoy the rest of your week. God bless your heart. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Parpoint Tribe.